Oh man, I hope I wore my asbestos underwear. <laughs> you don't leave home without it. It's like oh, American Express. Hello and welcome to Show and Tell, the podcast series from the RPG Academy, where we bring on a guest and we talk about something cool. Today's guest is Stan Chin, and the something cool is the Kickstarter he's currently running called Dungeon-esque World of Redmark. It's a 5e compatible adventurer and map project. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is already funded and is more so like three or four times over. Uh, there's only a few days left to go, unfortunately, due to some recording snafus that were totally my fault. Uh, this is take two of this uh, interview. Uh, so hopefully by the time you hear this, will be about a week left. But with all that out of the way, Stan, please go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Hey, everyone. This is Stan Shen. I'm very happy to be on the podcast today. So, Stan, where will people have known you from or heard about you from the RPG world? And give us your bona fides, sir. Yes. Well, uh, so I've been on social media pretty actively for the uh, last few years. Uh, A lot of people know me for some of my um, first edition uh, conversion work that I've done for fifth edition. So that's been featured on InWorld a few times. Um, I have a uh, 1E to 5E conversion guide where um, it's a real quick math that lets you uh, open up a, a first edition module and on the fly convert your creatures uh, over to 5E stats. Um, the, the algorithm is, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, some of the, uh, the 5E publications are actually using um, that algorithm uh, for their monster g- generation that they do for their custom creatures. Um, so, uh, so people know me for that. I also have a, um, a GM screen that's out there that a lot of people have commented on and, and like. Um, in fact, I'm, I'm updating that GM screen. That's one of the um, uh, perks uh, for people who um, uh, back the Kickstarters. They'll be getting a, an updated version of this 5e GM screen. Oh, fantastic. And then so sounds like you you, know, you have a conversion process from 1e to 5e so would it be a stretch to say that you may have been playing since the 1e days oh yes oh man i was so excited when the fifth edition came out um you know i loved first edition second edition third edition and fourth edition they that didn't really click for me it wasn't quite my style i I gave it a go but um wasn't wasn't my preferred uh, game mastering style but the very first week that uh dnd next as it was known back then came out that very first weekend uh, i was running a game and um uh, I've loved it. Um, it's it's been something I played uh, almost weekly um, since it, since the beta came out, and um, and so it really uh, that's my passion is this 1970s style of gaming where it's real real loose and lightweight where um, you know you have a few notes and uh, the combat runs really fast uh, and you can really focus on story um, and so. You know, I love first edition. Now I love fifth edition. Um, I love um, other uh, 70s type games like uh, Classic Traveler is one that I, I run quite a bit. Um, so I love those sort of um, 70s styles where you have uh, those those booklets um, and the uh, content is really accessible. And so part of what uh, was my uh, the genesis of this Kickstarter is I really want to bring sort of that first E style of gaming uh, into the 5e world. And some other people are doing that to some extent, but um, I've got some little innovations we can talk about later that I'm pretty happy about. Okay, well, let's, let's get into it. So what is the world of Redmark? 
And what is this Kickstarter package you put together and, and, and what can people get from it that would be worth their time and effort to go pledge? Cool. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about this. Um, so it's it's two products in one. Um, so when you back the Kickstarter, you can um, either get this um, adventure module, uh, which I'll explain in just a second. It's got some uh, some new angles to it. Uh, or a very sandbox adventure setting. It's it's essentially a big giant world map that's oriented around hex crawls. Um, so uh, one of the things that um, whenever I run a game, I always love to create the world collaboratively with my players. And so I like to, um, you know, whenever I've tried to world, uh, run a world like, um, you know, World of Greyhawk or Forgotten Realms, um, they tend to be a, a little too heavy for me. Um, there's so much canon out there that, um, it, you know, it really kind of handcuffs me. And be, inevitably, there's a player that's read more novels than I have or, or, or more of the setting material. And so, I, I you know, I, I run into barriers where... Um, you know, I, I don't need those handcuffs during play. I really like to, you know, have something that, that we all agree on. Another thing I found is that players don't read, um, you know. So if, if so, I'll have two players in a group that actually know more about a published setting than I do. And then I'll have other people that don't know anything about it. And they're not really willing to go read 200 pages of, of background material. So they really only, those people only know what we talk about during the game sessions. And so um, so I tend to love the sandbox settings where we create the setting together. Um, there's some cool tools out there, like there's one called Microscope. It's basically a little mini game that you create. Um, that you create the setting together collaboratively. Uh, and so, so this is really oriented for those game masters that like to create their own world, but they really want a really beautiful, gorgeous map. So this map is a 24 by 36 inch poster. Um, so you get the digital version, you'll get a black and white version. Uh, you can print that for a couple of bucks off at Office Depot. I just printed one yesterday, uh, again, for some activities I'm doing. Um, or there's a full color version that you can print as well. Uh, or if you like to play on Roll20, which I sometimes play on Roll20 online, uh, or Google Hangouts or whatever your virtual tabletop is, uh, there is a version of this map uh, that has a grid, hex grid, and there's a version of the map that doesn't have a hex grid. So if you want no grid and you want to just be able to scroll down or, or use Roll20 to overlay your own hex grid, uh, this is a great map for that. Um, and one of the things that's interesting about this, um, this map is, um, so it's 24 by 36 inches, but it's actually... 16 regions uh so really it's sort of a classic traveler map under the hood so these regions are 8 by 10 hexes and i'm going to have both a 30 mile hex and a 60 mile hex version depending on what kind of scale you like i prefer the 30 mile scale and so um this module um so i'll start to talk about that this module has it takes one region of this world and takes those eight by 10 hexes and just has a little bit of setting material for that particular region. Uh, so if you want to use this setting, great, but the module is easily transportable to any setting in either one the Game Masters created themselves or you know some other published setting. You know, essentially we give you a little bit of setting material in the module, enough to, to where you don't need to create your own world. Um, you know, we've got some background material for you or um, you know, you can use your own own setting. So the module, let's talk about the module. Um, so it is it is a uh, a softback uh, or a softbound module. It's the saddle stitch. That's the traditional first edition D and D module style. So these D and D modules typically were 25 to 35, maybe 40 pages long, and you would open them up, um, and so. Uh, they would lay flat. That's one of the things I really love about the, the booklet um, approach is I, I like to be able to smooth down the, 
the uh, the module and lay it flat. And what we've done is, because a lot of people love the uh, the one-page dungeons that have been coming out. Um, there's a one-page dungeon contest. I'm a big fan of that. And so what we've done, I've been playing with it, this this uh, dungeons style for the last, hmm, I guess about three years. It's, I've been uh, beta testing different formats. I played with all sorts of different layouts, landscape and portrait, one-page, two-page. So what I finally concluded that a two-page adventure format so it's basically a one-page dungeon that's expanded just enough to have a nice readable font to have a nice size map that's that's easy to read and um, some extra uh, material so that uh, for example there's each adventure um, in this module so the module is actually 10 adventures 10 one sheet adventures that uh, each is two pages so you open up your um, module and the booklet lays flat and so you have two pages and those are the only two pages you need to run a four-hour session. And so it's got some box text. So it, uh, if you're in a hurry, literally, you can just open up this adventure and just read that box text that gives it kind of a setup. And it kind of has you know, a situation where the players have to start to think and react a little bit. And uh, then you can quickly scan the, uh, the rest of the, mod, the uh, adventure. Um, that two-page adventure, it, you know, takes five, ten minutes to read, maybe 15 if you want to think about it really hard. But it's quick read, so it means it's really low prep to sit down and prep for an adventure session. Um, these 10 adventures, uh, four of them are linked into sort of a mini campaign. So there's sort of a you know a big bad um, boss at the end. But the other six are standalone adventures. And so it's really meant to, um, you know, if you want to sit down and run a campaign, you can use this module as to run a uh, 10 or more session campaign. Or if you just want to rip out, oh, I want to take these three adventures and just plug them into some other adventure campaign arc that I'm running. Uh, they're, they're very modular. Um, so it's meant to be low prep to save the game master work. Uh, you don't have to read all 30 odd pages before you get started. You can just really, literally read two pages, be going really fast. It also has tools for game masters that uh, want to have run their game in some, somewhat of a sandbox style. So for example, there's 20 villages. So rather than, you know, have a 200 page guide of, oh, here's a world in great detail. And if you're going to the Northwest, here's all the places there, you know, people will, will meander around the map and uh, you don't know where they're going to go. So rather than try to explain everything and have hundreds of pages, you know, we have little Lego blocks of content that you can plug in. So if, if wherever they go, if, if they encounter a village, you can look up and just, you know, pick one of the 20 villages we have. And it's got some uh, information about the village and, uh, you know, some adventure hooks tied to it. And so, you know, essentially you can assemble encounters and villages on the fly. Um, there's also um, three bullet campaigns. Now, this is something else that uh, I've come up with that it's similar to to the... People out there listening that have played Dungeon World um, or Apocalypse World, where they have this thing called Fronts, which is basically sort of a uh, GM Game Master shorthand, it, essentially where you have a villain or some sort of adversary or faction, and you have a list of things that they will escalate and do over time to work towards whatever their diabolical goal is. But it's really short. It's These are like uh, 500 words. I mean, it's, it's like less than a page, like maybe half a page. So there's multiple um, cam uh, bullet campaigns. And so uh, if you want to work those into your adventure, um, essentially you've got multiple campaigns ready to go, but they're really lightweight. So at the table, if you're in an inn and the players are bored, rather than just throw in, 
you know, some bar fight, maybe you pull out, uh, you know, the, the first escalation of a bullet campaign and you'll encounter something that feeds into a big meta plot. Essentially, just to, just to summarize, the module is a, is a very modular set of 10 adventures with lots of sandbox tools uh, for game masters to run a very open, uh, free-flowing, low-prep uh, sandbox game for 5th edition. All that sounds awesome. Um, as, as I said when we started, you've, you've already more than funded. You're four or five times over, and uh, you're getting close to a couple of stretch goals, or at least, well, you're close to one in particular. Uh, what is that stretch goal, and, and what, what what do you see that adding to the package that someone Ah, uh, yes. Uh, so we've already um, have a bonus adventure that, um, that we've uh, unlocked, and uh, the next thing up on our uh, stretch goal list is a black and white gazetteer. So... Um, it's uh, it, so for those that want to have instead of having the big um, poster map that you lay out on the table, this will be a um, a, a booklet eight and a half by eleven booklet that will have each of the sixteen regions uh, of the map because this big poster map breaks up into uh, sixteen eight by ten hex regions. So um, on each uh, each of these pages um, will be one region. So you can print it out. Essentially, you can have eight and a half by eleven handouts for the game master or the players to use uh, and you can just pass it out and they can you know make notes on that and see what the world looks like without uh, messing with the big poster version now you've mentioned um a couple times you said like we uh-huh. uh so do you have like, like do you have a an, a, an artist who is helping you with the map are, are you doing the own your artwork yourself oh yeah no i'm definitely um not doing this myself uh all by myself i uh if i didn't have help uh i'm not sure how long it would take to get this out there so i have a, a group of writers that I've actually, it was really interesting. I, these writers that are helping me write these adventures are also people that have, I played with in a game online. So this world of Redmark, um, you know, we talked about when D&D Next came out. I was so excited. Uh, I, I played a few games locally, but I wanted a, a weekly campaign. So I went out on Roll20 and just randomly fell in with a group that said, hey, let's, you know, this, this guy named Nathan Pankey, he was out there saying, hey, let's, let's start do, do a D&D Next uh, campaign. Who wants to join? And, you know, normally when you ran, get random people online, it doesn't always click very well, but this is an amazing, so I'm just very fortunate. This is an amazing group of um, people that uh, were, were both players and game masters, and some of their adventures were um, so good. Uh, one, one of the guy guys, his name was Paul, um, I, I said, you know, boy, that adventure was so good. You should try to get that published. And so uh, I worked with him on that, and he submitted it to InWorld. And so the InWorld, which has a uh, um, uh, Ian Sider, um, was, I think that's how you pronounce it, magazine that comes out. So it was actually published um, as a fifth edition um, adventure out there. Um, another one of the people in the uh, game group, um, Nathan Pankey, is, uh, he's written for several um, RPGs, uh, 13th age and, and things like that. And so, uh, so I have, I happened to game with some great guys that are already RPG authors. And, um, um, so those are some of the people that are helping me. And, uh, so we've got some really great adventures, um, in this adventure module. Uh, so I, I'm really convinced you'll, you'll love it. Cause I know I sure did when I, I played some of these, so those are the, the writers. Um, the uh, artist, um, he's actually someone that has done quite a bit of the, um, the, uh, the art that you've seen out there. So some of, oh, let me, I have to, I'll, I'll have to look it up here as, as we talk, but I think, I, I'm, I'm confident he's done some uh, professional RPGs you're familiar with. I'm just, the names escape me right now. 
but uh, he's a, he's a professional cartographer. So this this artwork it's very reminiscent of Forgotten Realms, some of the old uh, like second edition Forgotten Realms uh, look and feel. Uh, so I th I think you'll be very familiar and pleased with the artwork. And there's some samples on the uh, Kickstarter page uh, you can take a look at. So very beautiful, gorgeous art. That was one of the things that. Um, I really wanted was a beautiful map, but please don't attach cannon to it. I was thinking, I just I just want something I could make my own. So when I talk about your world of Redmark, what I really mean is, um, uh, you know, instead of my world of your Redmark, it's your world, meaning the game master. This is your world to make it what you want it to be. So not there's there uh, you know it's, it's other than some suggested. Um, very loose um, setting material in the modules. There is no canon. There is no, you know, novels and big 200-page uh, tome you have to read to get started. Uh, this is a map that I will not uh, be publishing any big giant canon for. So go for it. Take it. Make it your own. Uh, now, one thing we had mentioned the first time we did this. Again, my apologies for that. Uh -huh. um, this is 5e compatible, mm -hmm. and with the absence of an OGL, different companies are taking the ability to be compatible a couple different ways. So, what exactly are you guys doing to make this compatible? Like, is it like, do we still have to have our 5e books at the table with us? Is it going to reference page numbers for certain rules because you can't actually write them in your in your adventures? How does that work? Yeah. So the way it works. Uh, so there's um, so the there's three kinds of of um, stats that you'll encounter so these there's the the, the creature stats and there's um, two two forms in which we reference creature stats one is um, and this is probably the I'd say over half of the, of the uh, creature encounters uh, you will you know we'll mention that it's an orc or a goblin or something a creature that's very familiar and for those uh, the idea is that you'll use your existing um, uh, bestiary, probably the uh, monster manual, and just look up the stats. And so you have the stats on the side uh, looked up as you, you know, have the two-page adventure that you're open to. So we don't actually provide the stats for those, you know, common type creatures. For th for custom creatures, because we have some um, some custom uh, creatures that uh, really have a lot of flavor to them. And so for those, we're using a uh, we're not violating any IP or um, trade dress or anything like that we have a, a, a unique um, stat block that's um, we're still that's one of the things that we're still um, experimenting with a little bit so even though the content's written uh, we still we actually have multiple um, layouts of those stat blocks and so we're, we we want to get some additional feedback uh, from um, backers there's actually a, a people who back at the $50 level we're actually creating a charter um, member community um, that will be people that essentially get very early versions of our products and get to give us feedback. And so we will react to that feedback. I will tell you right now the format that it's most likely to be is sort of a um, first edition style. So it's, it's very concise, but yet has all the information you need to have a robust 5e monster. So it's not just, you know, like the 1e monsters were very you know, basically hit points and maybe two attacks and, you know, maybe a couple of special features. But um, ours are a little more elaborate because they follow that 5e style, but they're, they're simple enough to where you can scan them and run them without a lot of uh, extra prep time. So sort of a 1e style, 5e compatibility, um, unique to what we're doing, but very, um, very familiar, very easy to scan. Uh, you know, once again, where everything's about that low prep perspective. So I'm looking over at your Kickstarter page, and it looks like uh, for the for the majority of the pledge levels, you're anticipating delivery 
uh, early this year now, mm -hmm. uh, January and February, with a couple moving a little bit further. So would you talk a little bit about the levels and like what each one would get you? Yeah. Like if I want if I want pretty much everything in the base package, mm -hmm. how much does that run me? And then what are some of the more expensive, higher level tiers I can get into? Okay. Uh, so if you just want the digital adventures, then you can pledge $15 and get the digital version of the adventures. If you just want the digital maps, you can pledge $15 and get those. Uh, if you want to get digital everything, the adventures and maps, that's $25. And then uh, if you pledge $35, so this basically gets you everything in terms of the products. For $35, you get um, the digital adventures, the digital map, and the print version of the adventure only. We're not actually um, distributing um, poster versions of the map. So this kick first Kickstarter, we want to keep it really simple so we can fulfill on time and do a really good job of that. So the uh, for the print version, at that backing level, for the print version of the uh, Venture module, uh, we actually will distribute it through drive-through RPG. Um, so you'll get a, um, a code and you can, um, that allow you to go get it through them and you'll have to, the only extra thing you'll have to pay is shipping and handling. So if you're international, you know, you don't need to, uh, um, you know, pay for, uh, shipping and handling internationally. Um, and we also like the fact that, uh, people that get the print product will always get the digital version because I, I really think that many people are going to find, uh, that even if you've got that print copy of the module, uh, you'll, you know, you may want to just print out the, the two sheet, uh, or sort of the two page, um, one sheet adventure, um, you know, and, and just have that at the table, or maybe you might want to print the monster stats, uh, from the back of the book and just have that on the stot the side instead of, uh, flipping back and forth. So, um, you know, I think you'll find that the, the digital version, you may use it supplementally, even if you have the print version and you, and you do like I do where the print one is the mainly, the mainly what you go off of. Okay, and then I see there's a couple others that are a little bit more expensive. Right. Uh, so there is, um, so for $50, I mentioned earlier, we actually, you can become a charter member. Uh, so you'll be a member of this group that um, gives us feedback. And you'll also get preview um, copies of content. And we'll actually show you, like before we start our next Kickstarter, um, we'll be out there showing you like versions of, of what we're thinking about and getting people's feedback. So you're sort of like our... Um, our uh, focus group, if you will, but you'll also get a lot of free goodies as part of the, that process. And then, uh, then if you're uh, really into the higher, highest campaign levels, uh, at the $250 level, you get everything I've mentioned, plus being a charter member, plus your character will be an, an NPC in a future adventure. So you basically tell us about your character, and we will work them into um, a module that we will have as a, a future product. And then at the $500 level, which is our highest level, you get everything I just mentioned, including your character as uh, an, an NPC in a future adventure. Plus, we will actually do a, an artist full color illustration of your character, a full body illustration. If you go to our Kickstarter page, you'll see there's some really nice full color artwork. Um, it will be that same artist doing that artwork for your character. So if you always wanted a, uh, you know, a really cool looking... Uh, uh, character picture, um, you know, we will do one custom to you. Um, this this artist, I love I love this person's art. We um, we actually my daughter actually has like I, I framed it in her character when she played. Um, you know, she actually has the portrait on her wall. It's really really kind of cool. <laughs> awesome. So you you kind of mentioned uh, future Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. So 
again, this one has already funded. Assuming that the that the the distribution goes well and everybody's super happy, uh, what can we expect to see next out of you? Okay, well, um, so we have a, a really robust roadmap now. I'm I'm very pleased that this first Kickstarter, which is our very first product, uh, is doing as well as it is um, because normally you need to build some credibility kind of like eBay to become a trusted person. So I'm, I'm happy that people are giving us the, the funding they, they are because this means we're going to have a robust set of products. Um, so for the 5e line, uh, we're going to do two things. Uh, one, oh, one thing I forgot to mention. So we launched this as a 5e only a set of adventures, but we actually are adding uh, first edition support. So it, all the 5e people will also get 1e versions of the product. So that's, that's a new thing I emailed out about. Um, so we're happy to be adding that support. So going forward, there will be, um, we have a whole series of modules planned uh, that will all follow the same format. So there'll be the, you know, 10 two-page adventures that each run four hours plus um, bullet campaigns and, you know, uh, sandbox tools, uh, you know, names for NPCs and encounters and things like that. Uh, what they will do is, is each of these modules, these 16 Regions in this world of Redmark will have a module attached to each region. So you'll have, you know, in the desert region, there'll be a desert-themed module. In the, um, you know, in the, in the sea region, there'll be a, an underwater-themed set of adventures. And so the, you'll kind of have these thematic uh, modules. But rather than being, you know, full-fledged campaigns, there's a mini campaigns, and then, you know, these six or so one-shot type adventures that can be pulled together in a campaign, or you can pull them out and just say. Hey, I, I, I'm, you know, I'm in the desert. Let me go grab that desert um, red mark module, and I'll just rip out two or three of those desert adventures and pull them into my campaign, whatever you happen to be running. Um, so it's meant to be, you know, Lego pieces. If you want to use World of Red Mark, great. If you want to just plug them into your world, it's very modular. You know, you can print them out. You can use the um, um, saddle stitch, you know, module paperback if you want. So that's the main thing we have planned. We have some other things we're not ready to announce yet. It kind of depends on Wizards of the Coast and their licensing that they do. But I will say that uh, just as a teaser, we um, we are prototyping some box set products that are pretty cool. Um, but exactly what's in those box sets will kind of depend on some licensing things that uh, sure. we need to wait on. All right. Very cool. Very cool. All right. So Stan, um, is there anything else about your Kickstarter that you would like to mention before we move on to the next portion of tonight's show? Mm, well, uh, just anyone that wants to check it out, I'm sure you can you can check the show notes. Uh, or if you go to roguecomet.com, roguecomet.com, uh, that's my uh, company's website um, that we'll be rebuilding our website soon, but it has a big link to the Kickstarter. So that's the easiest way to find it. Um, I think if you back these adventures and this and or this um, this map that you'll be very pleased, um, especially if you're a game master that likes to do sandbox type gaming. Um, and one thing I'll just I'll just say, if you're an advent, uh, a, a game master that um, you know you're used to these big 200 page adventure modules and all that, if you've not done sandbox gaming, I really encourage you to give it a try. There's some great games out there like Fiasco and Dungeon World that even if you don't run those games, just to read those games and maybe play a game or two in that, and that using those tools and techniques that they have, it will really give you that confidence to run a very sandbox type adventure. By sandbox, what I mean is you sit down at the table, you've got a couple of pages of adventure notes, but 
the players have a lot of agency and you know if um if they decide to not go into that dungeon and, and instead go back to the village and and you know ignore what you had prepared you're, you'll be able to deal with those so our, our adventure modules give you some tools for that but anyway i just encourage you if you haven't tried that that style of gaming uh i find as a player it's really rewarding and as a game master it saves me a lot of time because I usually don't prep more than half an hour for um, uh, a game. And that's something I think, especially at least at my age, uh, that uh, the time I have to put into my hobby seems to be getting less and less. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I will cut first is prep because, you know, the game is the game. We're going to be here for four hours. I can't really cut that. Right. But if I have something else going on, what gets cut is, well, how much time do I spend getting ready for that game? Uh, So anything that, that can help me prep faster, I am all for. Right. Cool. All right, Sam. Well, thank you very much for sharing your your project with us. Um, As we talked before, again, I screwed up last time in recording. uh, We wanted to do a synergy episode as well. It's been too long since we've done one. And I just thought, hey, let's just do one with Stan. Yeah. So I opened up a pack of Magic the Gathering cards. If you're not familiar with synergy, that's what we do. We just grab a, a random pack of Magic the Gathering cards. We open them up. We look at them. And we try to come up with an adventure, uh, an encounter, a campaign, whatever we are kind of inspired by with the cards. And it can be the name of the card. It can be the, the flavor text, the imagery, uh, the mechanical parts of the, the card, whatever you feel like using is what you will use. Um, and I think I'm actually going to have you go first this time. Okay. Because mine's pretty poor in comparison. To <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. I will also say that uh, I'm going to I'm going to list the cards in the show notes so that if anybody else wants to actually you know know what which cards we used, mm-hmm. uh, and then as always, anytime we do a synergy, we want people to send us in their versions what they came up with as well. So if you don't mind, Stan, please indulge me. What was the synergy you came up with uh, with these cards? Sure. Well, I was pondering over these um, Magic the Gathering cards, and uh, it was it's, this is a cool technique, by the way. I've never done it. Um, it worked really well, uh, having those cards. So um, my adventure that I came up with, my synergy, uh, is called The Secret of the Mage Ring. Um, and I did something a little different. I put my... Uh, I just wrote up a little adventure, and I put it in a um, format that uh, this is my classic traveler adventuring showing through. It's um, there used to be a, um, a series of classic traveler uh, magazines called um, uh, JTAS, Journal of the Traveler's Aid Society, I believe is what they what that stood for. And they had this amber zone format. So in the amber zone format, they would have the player's information which would be about a paragraph that this is what you kind of either can read to them as box text or just this is what they're going to know. And then you have a referee section that's like all the secret stuff that's going to happen or that only the game master knows. So that's my format. So that's just kind of a prelude. Um, So here is the secret of the mage ring. So the player's information. The players are traveling in a rural location when they come across Alanis Hearthmaker, a beautiful young farmer's daughter, Grieving over a dead ox. This is one of the Magic the Gathering cards. Is an ox. <laughs> yeah. It was raised by her from birth, and it was more a pet than beast of burden. A rugged red arrow with black fletching is the only clue to the beast's death. Alanis's father, Pedrin Hearthmaker, appears and begs the heroes to investigate and apprehend the culprit who killed this creature and many other types of livestock in the area, all killed with these distinctive red arrows. In payment for this mission, 
Pedrin draws a map for the heroes, giving the location of a valuable mage ring, another card, which is ensconced in a hidden valley nearby, which only brave and resourceful heroes dare seek. Hopefully the heroes playing are brave and resourceful. The ring is in a hidden valley, only accessible by a cave, which worms through a circular mountain barrier and is protected by legendary forces. Legends say the Mage Ring has power to control dimensional travel. This Mage Ring is also coveted by Demon Caltrek, a local magistrate who is willing to pay 5,000 gold pieces for its recovery. So that's the player's information. So here is the referee's secret information. If players investigate the Red Arrow, they will find rumors from locals that a savage tribe of centaurs has such distinctive arrows, just like what you found. The centaurs are elusive. They will not confront the players, and they will flee if you pursue them. As the players journey through the countryside, they will encounter the apparition of a flying elf named Lothlanil, a legendary creature thought by many to be mere myth. Lothlanil, in his ethereal form, warns the players to be careful. He hails from a flying mountain realm, and a recent omen has foretold his people on this flying mountain that an evil centaur tribe is bent on slaying all non-centaurs in the area. Lothlanil says the mage ring, which Pedrin described, holds the key to defeating the centaurs. An impassable mountain range surrounds the hidden valley, but Pedrin's map shows the location of a hidden tunnel. Inside, the players will face encounters with a catacomb slug, that's in one of the cards, a swarm of sharp-teeth cave imps, water elementals in a catacomb stream, and a chained lost relatives of one of the players. But actually, this, this relative is really a doppelganger, so dun-dun-dun. Finally, the players arrive at the center of the valley. There they find a Corinthian-columned shrine with a rigid golden statue of a chimera holding the legendary mage ring and outstretched paw. If approached, the chimera animates, puts the ring in his mouth for safekeeping, and will attack the players. This construct, if defeated, will open his mouth and relinquish the ring. If the ring is taken away from the shrine area, the clouds will darken and a large mass appears overhead. From it streams an army of flying elves who descend to attack the players. Horns sound and a centaur horde appears to join the players in their fight against the sky elves. If the mage ring is returned to the shrine and a centaur sage given time to perform a magic rite to reactivate the ring's power, the sky elves will be forced to return to their flying mountain. The mountain will then reverse direction, disappear into the sky, and eventually fade into the ethereal plane. The centaur leader, Celis, reveals the truth behind these events. So what in the world was all this about? The sky elves <laughs> are actually evil, and generations ago had begun plans to enslave the local region. Only the centaurs knew of the elves' plan, so they intervened to defeat them. A powerful centaur wizard forged the mage ring to magically unmoor the sky off mountain from its rock base, leaving a rock basin below which became the valley. 
The centaurs then for generations guarded the valley and the magic ring to prevent the sky elves from returning. Recently, though, um, ethereal apparitions of the flying elf mage Lothlanil have been deceiving locals. Lothlanil struck a deal with Demon Caltric, a local magistrate, uh, who has offered to pay mercenaries to recover the ring. Demon's minions have killed local livestock and used centaur-style arrows to frame the centaurs and set the stage for questing mercenaries to retrieve the ring. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thus ends the adventure. That was awesome. Uh, <laughs> I think that kind of goes back to my old school mentality as well, that I often like to have the characters do something that seems super straightforward and obvious, mm-hmm. but it's not, and they actually end up causing more problems than they solve, which means they have to go back and fix things that legitimately they don't really it's not like they knew they were doing that but mm-hmm. it's just it makes me laugh as a dm i don't know i, I find perverse <laughs> pleasure in that so so i really enjoyed that that your adventure kind of felt like something i might have written so uh-huh. i really like that cool all right so mine is is pretty short and uh and simple mm-hmm. um so essentially there has been uh sort of an upheaval in a in a land uh again similar to yours where instead of a, a mountain going into the sky, mine is erupting up out of the ground, almost like maybe like a volcano that's being pressed up and it's drastically changing the landscape uh around this the area that it came out of, uh which is going to divert rivers and cause landslides and earthquakes and all kinds of terrible trouble. So, of course, the the local towns and cities are going to start looking for answers. And eventually our heroes, more than likely, will be asked to go and investigate and try to figure out what's happening. So as they enter into this area, they're going to see the the, the start of this mountain that's kind of coming up out of the ground. Um, and through the process of it getting larger and larger, it's actually going to expose a cave that was uh, inside this mountain as it, as it raises. And uh, inside there, they're going to have some crazy adventures, and they're eventually going to come across like a, like a constructed dungeon, a catacomb, if you will. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, they're going to have a, a confrontation with the catacomb slug, which again is one of the Magic the Gathering cards. I assume that they will likely defeat the creature, but when they do, it actually erupts. And just like thousands, if not millions, of these little tiny mosquito-like creatures just burst out of its uh, corpse and just you know, go crazy, go everywhere, and fly off into the general populace. Hmm. So what our characters don't know is that the catacomb slug was actually there to prevent something much, much worse from getting out. Ah. So it was actually a guardian of sorts. What that is, I don't exactly know yet, but, you know, it'll be something nasty. And uh, and these mosquitoes actually uh, start infecting the local populace, but the infection has a very interesting side effect that some of the people that are bitten by these mosquito-type creatures are actually enhanced. They they gain not quite superpowers, but they become faster or stronger. You know, in D&D terms, they maybe gain, like you could have a, a peasant who now has like fifth level abilities. Mm-hmm. The idea being that that's the only way to defeat this creature. It's so powerful that like one of the last side effects of this catacomb slug is to imbue the local population with the ability to defeat the thing that's now going to come out. But there's another side effect that this only lasts for a few days and then you die. So the PCs are now dealing with uh, the race against time, trying to find a cure for the, uh, the townsfolk that were affected, as well as fighting off what is coming out with the possibility that they may need to infect themselves to have a chance to win. Ah, 
which could be a sacrifice. Mm. So that's about all I came up with with those same cards. It wasn't quite as much detail as you put into yours, but I definitely think there's a structure there. Given enough time, I could build something out on that. Yeah. Awesome. That's cool. Well, again, thank you very much for participating in our little game, but we're not <laughs> quite done with you yet. Yes. Uh, we have one last little thing we want to do. Uh, we've been trying to do this with our guests for show and tell for a while. Uh-huh. We have been wi- wildly inconsistent, uh, but we are trying to do more and more of it. But we want to do like a choose your own adventure game. For anyone who has listened up to this point, quite a few decisions have been made, so I'm not going to go through all of those. But for what you need to know, Stan, is mm-hmm. you are a human wizard. Uh, you're an apprentice. You've been sent to a mountain uh, as a test of courage by your master. And you eventually found some goblins that you decided to follow. You have followed them deeper and deeper and deeper down into the uh, mountains uh, to the point where uh, it started getting really warm. Uh, they went through like a door. You followed behind. And there is just this uh, river of lava, which in itself is unusual. Even though you're really deep, you know, lava being here is not quite normal. Hmm. And there's this sort of lattice work of these bridges, these arched natural stone bridges that, that crisscross over each other, as well as over this flow of lava. Hmm. So you're really, really high up. The mm-hmm. lava's down below you. There's all these crisscross lattice work stone bridges. And then on the other side of the lava, which is down far below you, is a, a, like a communion of goblins. And this is a force of goblins that have, been, have not been seen in the area that you're in in generations. There's mm. hundreds, if not thousands, of goblins. Mm-hmm. And there's one goblin in particular who seems to be like a leader, maybe a shaman of some sort. He's on a slightly raised dais, and he's sort of riling up the goblins and, and you know, rattling his bone stick. And the person before you, their choice was they actually wanted to scoop up some lava and throw on the, the, this goblin mm. you know, to see what would happen. So what happens at this point is the lava, it works. The, they, they scoop up, they use a mage hand, they scoop up some lava, they throw on this goblin's face. He just starts screaming and clawing at his face, but it doesn't kill him. Uh-oh. Sort of an Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark vibe. Uh-huh. His face melts off, but he doesn't actually die. And now he's just got like a bone uh, skull face that is shining through. Uh, he turns and starts looking and, and he seems to know generally where you are, Uh-oh. if not exactly. And he very quickly sort of does some incantations and he raises his fist up in the air, almost, you know, like Tiger Woods when he wins a cup, which hasn't (laughs) happened in a long time. And a giant fist of lava just sort of erupts out of this lava flow Uh and it starts punching all of these bridges and and natural walkways, destroying them all. So this is where we come to your decision point. You are on one of these bridges, which is more than likely not going to be around much longer. Oh. Do you want to try to go back out, or do you want to try to jump across to the other side, or something else entirely? It's up to you. Mm. I'm going to charge forward, not back where I came from, but charge forward, um, and try to get off this bridge before it gets destroyed. Okay. So I'm going to do things a little bit differently tonight. I'm uh-huh. going to go ahead. Um, I'm looking for it. All right. I'm going to go ahead and roll a die here, which okay. is something I sometimes do to see... What happens in between? When the DM is rolling dice, it's never a good thing. <laughs> usually, well, usually not anyway. <laughs> okay. So you start running across, trying yeah. to get to the other side. Uh, you don't quite make it. The fist hits the bridge that you're on, uh, pushing you upwards quite a ways. Uh, you're then falling down, and you actually fall into the lava. But luckily, you land on a piece of the stone 
that is still kind of like a boat. Uh-huh. It's large enough that it's riding. So you are now on top of a piece of stone that is being washed down the lava flow. Oh, and that wow. is where we will leave you ah! and pick up, pick up next time. Oh, man, I hope I wore my asbestos underwear. <laughs> you don't leave home without it. It's like oh, American man. Express. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, thank you again for, for participating in that as well. Stan had a wonderful night. I apologize again for having to do take two. Oh, here no problem. You. I'm glad to be with you again. I appreciate your good humor. So, sir, have a great night. And uh, if at all possible, I'll have this out on Sunday for you, probably no later than Monday. Very good. Well, thanks so much. Talk to you later. Uh, thank you, sir. Okay, good night. bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash the RPG Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the drive-thru RPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.